Today on Power Tips Unscripted, we talk to Rick Goldstein, owner of Mosaic Design Build from Atlanta, Georgia. Rick recently completed the buyout of a longtime business partner, and he's going to share the process and lessons learned. All that and more today on Power Tips Unscripted. You want answers? Put that coffee down. You talking to me? Hi, I'm your host, Victoria Downing, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted. I'm here with my co-host, Mark Harari, Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer here at Remodelers Advantage. Hi, everybody. Here's where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. I'm really pumped about today's guest because we get to talk to Rick Goldstein. Rick's been a longtime Remodelers Advantage member and a, a six, owner of a successful business in uh, Atlanta, Georgia area. And he's had a very interesting path and grown his business and now in the next phase of life. So welcome. Thank you, Victoria. It's always nice to talk to our members. Yes, nice to speak with you as well. How's the weather down there in Atlanta? Um, it's not as cold as it was, but uh, I think we've had our low 30s and um, maybe winter is over. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? I think we got a little bit more to come. So, yes. hey, it t- you know, everybody's got a different path as they grow their business and just move through their careers. Give us a little background, just a brief sort of overview of how you started, how you got to where you are today. Sure. Um, I'll keep it really brief. Um, I I went to school um, to become an architect, practiced as an architect for a number of years, and worked for several remodeling companies um, before uh, venturing out on my own, and had my own business for about three or four years before I took on a business partner where we merged our two companies together. And um, we worked successfully together as partners for the past 12 years. And um, it's been a great ride so far. So you moved through, you took on a partner, you've been growing. I know you changed your name and your branding and all that at some point in the midst of that uh, 12 years or so, right? We did. um, Right about the middle of 2008, we rebranded right as the economy shifted. Oh boy, <laughs> timing, yeah, really. <laughs> timing is everything. So give us a little bit of an overview as to how you were growing and why you came to buy out your partner. I mean, I know you had a, you did have a really good run and you guys uh, brought some different kinds of skills. It seemed to be a very strong partnership and, you know, so how did you get to the point where you said, we want things to change? Well, I I think we actually went into it with the intent from the very beginning. Um, My business partner, William Fadul, was he was about 13 years older than me. And when we became business partners, we we went into it um, as 50-50 owners Mm. with the intent that one day um, he would leave and I would buy his shares. Okay. Um, We didn't have a plan at the time. Um, and we developed that plan, you know, later into our um, partnership. So when you first started and you first started getting together, what were some of the things that you talked about before you decided to join forces to make sure you were going to work well together? Well, <laughs> it's funny that you asked that. We, we actually lived together for a year. So we each had our own independent companies and we, I moved into his office space and 
we worked independently um, with each other for a year um, to see if we could actually work oh. together. We shared some resources and um, we found that it was actually a, a good fit for both of us. So did you talk about the long goal, the long game, how this was going to transpire and the difference in your ages and so on? No, <laughs> we didn't really. <laughs> I think we always knew that, that there was a plan that, um, you know, one, we, we spent a lot of time up front, you know, developing a shareholders agreement so that it covered pretty much every scenario that, that um, could happen. But what it did not do at the time was really discuss or outline the exit strategy. Um, so that was something we had to deal with independently, um, you know, after about 10 years of partnership. So was there an event or a, a, something that happened that said now's the time or did it just slowly change in your lifestyles? I mean, how did, how did it become evident that you wanted to make a change? Well, I think um, age started to become a factor. Um, I think our age differences became a little bit of a factor as one of us was getting closer um, to the end of their career and one of us was sort of in um, mid, mid stride mm -hmm. and the direction of the company, not that it, I really wanted to change it, but I felt like the timing was right that if I needed to, number one, buy the company and have enough time to own the company and recover uh, my investment of the purchase of the other half of the company, I needed enough time to do that. Okay. Um, and so that, that's sort of what generated the, uh, the timing of it. So can you share with us a little bit about what some of the steps were that you had to take to make this a reality and where, what some of the obstacles were that you had to overcome? Sure. Um, I'll talk about the obstacles first. The biggest obstacle um, was actually the emotional obstacle that um, we had talked about a date and a time and then as that date and time got closer, um, William wasn't ready. He wasn't emotionally ready to uh, make the shift and make the transition. Mm -hmm. Well, so I, you can time, understand that, right? I mean, it's, I, yeah, man. No it's, question. I mean, this, is, this was a 30-year endeavor of his. Right. And, you know, it was, it was his baby. Yeah. So I get it. He got it. We were both very patient with one another. And eventually... Um, you know, he, he became emotionally ready to, uh, to take the step. Okay. All right. Um, so as we went through the process, things that we did is we looked for a consultant that specialized in, um, in selling businesses. And so we started there, um, which was about three years prior to when we actually, um, when we actually came up with the agreement. So we started there, we learned a lot, we hired a consultant, and then it paused for a couple of years. Okay. Eventually what we did is we found uh, the first thing was a business valuation consultant. Okay. Because in, in order for us to know how much a company is worth, um, we needed someone to actually put some real numbers to the business. Mm -hmm. And that gave us a, a, a real baseline to even understand, is it worth moving forward? or not, um, because is, is there enough money that would, would change hands that made it worthwhile to both of us? Okay. 
Um, you know, one of us obviously wanted the value to be as high as possible, and the other one of us wanted the value of the business to be as low as possible. Yes, I've heard that before. Hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, so we went through that, and act, and we had the business valued twice. Twice. Um, yes, once when we first um, started, and a second time right before uh, we actually signed the agreement. Now, why? Well, the value of the business changed. And it, it's a running, the value of the business was based on a um, sort of a cumulative profitability of the business. Well, what, was, what was the time between the valuations? Okay. About a year. So not very long, really, because that's not a rather, long. that's a rather significant investment, isn't it? Uh, well, the, the second round was much easier because they had all of our numbers. They had the uh, preceding five years of our profitability, mm -hmm. and all they did was plug in the, the previous year. Okay. And all right. They basically just updated it. Did you find that there had been much of a change? There was a change. Believe it or not, we had, we had had a down year the last year before we made the, um, made the agreement. And that, that down year did affect the business uh, value. So if you hadn't, you as the purchaser would have had a less beneficial position. Correct. Okay. Correct. And we both agreed to use the business valuation um, a, as a starting point to our agreement. Okay. So they gave us a range. Um, they did not give us an exact number. They said between X and Y is uh, what we believe your value should be. Now the two of you need to work it out. So in the process of getting your business valued, there's a lot of um, variables, right, that go into that? Yes. And as you said, you learned a lot about it. What were some of the biggest factors that affected the value of your business? Um, you know, as a small business owner, one of the interesting things is each year you try to minimize your taxes. Mm -hmm. And by minimizing your taxes, you can slightly manipulate your net profits. Mm -hmm. And net profits are really what drive the value of the business. Okay. Because we're in a business that doesn't have a lot of assets. And most of our assets be, you know, are depreciated over time. So, if you were saying that net profit, I mean, could you have said, well, I'm just not going to pay myself any salary. We, we, you know, we're not going to take any salary so we can drive profits up. Like if you were the seller, for example. Right. Um, I don't believe that that would have helped because they actually took industry standard um, salaries and used those as a baseline for our salaries. Okay. All right. Okay. So you're looking at net profit. So that's a big okay, one. Net profit. What yes. else? Um, you're looking at um, balance sheet, obviously. Um, you were looking at uh, the consistency of the company as well. So that, you know, if a company had, you know, great years and terrible years, um, that would tell the, the business valuation company that the company is really not consistent. Okay, so and it, would, factor in as well. would that translate in saying not systematized, not enough of those processes and systems in place to ensure the like the, the McDonald's effect, you know, that I, I any normal so, yes. person could do it? 
Yes. And, and with a business like ours as well, as you know, we didn't have long term contracts. So we didn't have service contracts that we could count mm -hmm. on every year. Mm -hmm. You know, every year we're selling new business, uh, finishing new business and always needing to bring it in. But there definitely was a consistency factor for size of the company, profitability of the company, um, you know, just the, the, the amount of business a company did each year. Okay. So the amount of business you did each year, how did that tie in? Because you're basically talking revenue, annual revenue. It, it was annual revenue. I think for us, it showed that there was a, a consistent, um, small but consistent growth each year. So that we didn't, you know, grow huge one year and drop off okay. hugely the following year. Okay, um, I see. We we originally thought that they might consider, you know, what might the company be worth in five years after this, but that that really wasn't a factor. Yeah, that, that's kind of an interesting point because you'd think that with your plans and your uh, expectations of growth and so on, that that would have tied in. Why do you think that they don't look at that? Um, I think because we're we're a business that's that needs to be constantly fed, um, and not one that we can actually sit back on with this like service contracts, okay, um, or sales. The sales always have to be new. Mm -hmm. um, so, and we could have, I believe, we could have used some predictions um, had William stayed in the company longer. And there might have been some incentives built into it, but we actually didn't do that. So um, when you're talking about looking at all these things, what, how did your role in the company or your roles in the company play into it? Did that have an effect? Um, it did because, you know, when you have two business partners, um, you know, we each played full-time roles in the company and we needed to transition his roles out of the company, you know, to other people. Mm -hmm. And so we spent some time setting the company up ahead of time, anticipating what that transition would be. So we looked at our organizational chart and we built it in a way that we knew that could, this company would be supported, uh, you know, upon his eventual departure. So of that, right, of all the different roles that he played, what was one of the most significant that you replicated? Um, probably sales manager. So originally the two of us were, our, were the only salespeople in the company. Mm -hmm. Then we hired two additional salespeople in the company and I stopped selling. William ah. became sales manager and that was sort of the beginnings of our, our um, transition of William out so that we could support the company and support the sales activities. So it sounds like both of you stopped selling at that point, right? He moved into sales manager and you stepped out together or did he keep selling as well? He kept selling, but he, he reduced his selling. Okay. I could see why that could be a major uh, step for you to have that independence. It, from it was a major step. Absolutely. <sighs> So that's another whole topic we'll grab you for, talking about how to add salespeople to the mix. Let's book right. them right now. <laughs> okay, so you talked about some of the challenges being the emotional. Um, you talked about the, the valuation of the business and that you did it twice in a year. And because mm -hmm. the market was down or the business was down, that affected the price somewhat. Were there other challenges that were significant in this process? 
Well, I think the, you know, the whole challenge of pulling off the, um, the sale of the company and understanding how it might work um, as the ownership transitioned was, was a challenge to us. So if I go back just a minute to some of our consultants, so we brought in um, our accountant to help us understand uh, the financial end of it. We had to bring in an attorney that specialized in, um, in, in small business uh, law practice that helped us with the agreement and also helped us understand how we might actually physically make the transition because we didn't understand that. You know, would it be a two-year buyout, a five-year buyout, a 10-year buyout? Um, would William remain in the company? Would, would our, um, our roles and ownership change slowly or would it change, you know, at, at the signing of an agreement? Mm -hmm. and, and all those things, they were confusing going into this process. Um, we ultimately decided to do an agreement where ownership changed at the stroke of a pen. Oh, wow. Yes. And that, that was, we didn't expect that. And that's not what we had um, researched, but it's what ended up working best for us. So when you originally started thinking about this, you had the transition, you had a date set in mind, but when you got up to that date, William wasn't quite ready. So you guys sort of stepped back a little bit, let time pass. And then at some point he said, I'm ready. And you just went, okay, now, now's time. Let's go. Yes. Wow. Yes, pretty so, much. So, okay. So, you know, I bought this business or Mother's Advantage from a partner and we did it over time, which was a great way for us to do it. When you looked at these pros and cons, why did you choose the direction you chose? Well, I think we chose it because the, um, the, the direction of the company, the, uh, because we were always 50-50 partners, um, we would always discuss things and always have to have a consensus in order to move forward with large um, changes in, in what we would do, personnel, uh, direction of the company, pricing, so on and so forth. So we knew that as soon as that 1% shift happened, control of the company would shift. So we decided to just shift it all at once. Um, not that he was paid all at one time, but he was paid with a, you know, a, a, a large deposit, you know, 20 or 25% right. um, in cash. Mm -hmm. And then we, we put ourselves, or I put myself on a three-year payment plan okay. um, to pay him out. Um, and, and, and this way, he was able to stay with the company for a year to help transition his role. Mm -hmm. um, make as little waves as possible in our company while we did it. And we made sure everybody in the company knew what was happening, what our timeline was, what our plan was, how our leadership team was going to sort of, you know, move into place and uh, eventually make the transition. You know, you guys were partners for a long, long time. So I'm sure that there was some trepidation and fear when it became obvious that William was gonna be leaving the company. So you talked about sharing that information with your staff. At what point did you start making them aware that this change was gonna happen? Um, so we signed our agreement in Oct October 1st, 2016. And we made everybody aware of it um, in January of that same year. 
Okay, so they knew that he had a year, and then he was going to be gone. And yes, they had, he had a year and a half. Okay. Um, so we we actually made the announcement in January that we were working on a plan and that it would be done before the end of the year. And then William stayed on from October first, two thousand sixteen, till October first, two thousand seventeen. Were there any challenges with the staff or concerns? That this was there anything you had to kind of step in and, and reassure? Or? Um, we did. Um, most of the people, you know, I'm probably the last one to know, <laughs> you know, as, as, as the the one who was going to be remaining as the company owner. Um, so most everybody in the company um, w was great and were willing to help and do whatever was needed. We did lose one person in the company, one of our sales team. Yeah. Um, and I think that person just knew that, you know, they had built such a strong relationship um, with William that uh, they didn't think that the two of us would be able to work together in the same way. Okay, that's pretty interesting. So to back up a little bit, if you were gonna give somebody advice about either buying out a partner, or I assume that the same sort of advice would fit for someone buying another company, what would be like the top three pieces of advice you'd give to these other remodelers? Well, I would say take your time and do your due diligence. Um, you know, rushing into the purchase of a company uh, blind is never a good idea. Mm -hmm. um, I think number two, I would say get to understand the business, understand the people. Um, you know, business is really about the people and the the People are the ones that are going to support the owner um, and understand what what they. Let's see. How do I want to say this? Um, I think the 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 employees um, need to share, you know, what's good about the company and what they think needs to be improved, because everybody in a company has ideas, mm -hmm. and when there's ever a shift in um, in management or ownership. I think a new owner needs to listen to the people in the company um, to hear how they see things or what needs to be fixed. Okay. And uh, lastly, um, you know, hire a good team of consultants to help you because it's going into this, is, it's complicated. Mm -hmm. And after you go through it, you realize it really wasn't nearly as complicated as I thought it was. Um, once our consultants sort of um, held our hands and walked us through the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I imagine that there are so many different ways to go about everything from approaching the partner to the developing the agreement to how it's paid out. Yes, I imagine there's a lot of ways to do that. And, um, you know, the two of us actually worked out a lot of the agreement, uh, not the legal end, Mm -hmm. But we worked out a lot of the agreement between ourselves. So instead of spending lots of time with an attorney um, or two attorneys, we, we used one attorney to help us both okay. represent the company. Okay. And William and I actually worked out the details amongst ourselves with the attorney's guidance. Okay. And that probably saved us a lot of, a lot of angst and a lot of money. Yeah, really. You know, thank you so much for sharing the story with us. I know that it's a as a number of remodelers, business owners are getting older uh, and wanting to move to a new phase of their life. There's a lot of talk about succession and how to do it. And sharing your story has been very helpful. I'm glad I could help even a little bit. Rick, 
<laughs> it's that time. And now, here's a Remodeler's Advantage Lightning Round. It's a trap! All right, let's put 60 seconds on the clock. You ready, Rick? I'm as ready as I'm ever going to be. All right, here we go. What's your favorite business book and why? My favorite business book right now is Grit by Angela Duckworth. Um, I really like how it talks about uh, people that work hard and are committed to what they do can really show results. Cool. If you weren't the owner of Mosaic Design Build, what do you think you'd be doing? Well, my mother thinks I should have been an orthodontist, <laughs> and uh, maybe my, my next career will be uh, leading adventures um, around the world, outdoor adventures. Cool. What are you not very good at? <laughs> How much time do you have? <laughs> um, things that I'm not very good at. I'm not good at sitting still. Your room, your desk, or your car? Which do you clean first? Uh, room first, car second, and uh, I don't think I ever get to my desk. <laughs> Why do you think a tennis ball is fuzzy? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I guess it, it feels good in your hand. <laughs> what would you do if a penguin was found in your freezer? Let him out. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> so, again, Rick... This has been awesome. We, your generosity is astounding. So thank you so much for sharing this story with us. And, uh, you know, we appreciate all you do for us. Thank you so much. And one of the things I want to wrap up with is your five words of wisdom. Um, I think what I would want to share with people would be uh, never be content with mediocrity. Ooh, good one. <laughs> Love it. Excellent. Thank you very much, Rick. Appreciate Thank you, it. Victoria. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So that, right, was, that was good. That, yeah, was that was really good. Yeah. Oh, my God. The things that go into this. I mean, there's so many details. I know. It, it, I, I was shocked at the valuation twice yeah. within a year's time yeah. and that there was a big effect. Yeah. You know, it, it, I think that that was a lesson for all of us to, if you're going to be selling your business, to do that second valuation, especially when it didn't cost quite as much as the first go-round, because you just never know. Although, it depends, I guess, if you're the buyer or the seller on that one. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, really, I love this. And I'll tell you what, the um, words of wisdom's really shaping up. This is going to be kind of a big thing, like who, mm-hmm. who you know, everybody's going to one-up each other, or at least try. <laughs> that was that was a really good that one. That was a good one. So, uh, this has been a great episode, and this was uh, Power Tips Unscripted. I'm Mark Harari. And I'm Victoria Downing, and we'll see you next time. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the Remodeler's Guide to Business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day.